0: Really got a try on that left hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over and he uh, head over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit to make this game. It didn't seem to work out.
1: Hello. Cheers and welcome, welcome once again to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, reviews, great interviews, and so much more, all about the world of rugby union. And of course, this is not the weekly pod. We've already dropped that one this week. In this case, this is a very special bonus episode, this time featuring the brilliant James Dealey, the man behind MLR Stats, a website and just sort of a general online presence that is so incredibly useful for MLR fans. He was kind enough to join us here to look at the state of the season thus far if you like rugby and statistics, you have found your heaven, because this man goes above and beyond every single week. Mr. Dealy, welcome, welcome to the show. And as this is our first chat, am I all right to go with James?
0: Yeah, of course you are. You're okay to go with James. Uh, thank you very much for having me.
1: Well, it's my pleasure. I'm really glad uh, that you were able to carve out some time for me. Um, I was hoping we could start just to sort of get to know you a little bit, because there's precious little online that I can see about you.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I'm surprised about that, actually. Yeah. Um, No, but I am, my name is James Dealey, as you already said. Um, I'm originally from the UK. I was born uh, just outside of London, uh, near Reading, and um, moved over to Toronto, Canada uh, in 2016. So a couple of years before, you know, the MLR and rugby got started out here properly. But um, I've been pretty much a lifelong rugby fan. Uh, My dad played locally for 35, 40 years, so I used to go see him play quite a lot, although... That being said, I can't actually remember it because I was very little. Um, <laughs> I did play uh, football or soccer uh, when I was growing up. Uh, my dad managed the team there because no one else would. And then I got to the age and my, you know, some of my friends started to go down the rugby club. And I mentioned this to my dad and he already had his bags out the door. Like he quit the the, the football, soccer uh, gig straight away and was like, OK, great. Let's go down the rugby club straight nice. away. Um, and we uh, were regulars up at uh, the Mercedes Stadium uh, again in Reading uh, to see London Irish, and luckily, unfortunately, fortunate enough to live fairly close to Twickenham, so uh. we used to go up there quite regularly as well. Then came over here, and you know, it was more of an armchair fan. It's hard to watch it from over here. But then heard about the M.L.R. I didn't actually wasn't actually involved in the 2018 season. Um, didn't know it didn't know about it then i learned about it through the uh, the arrows starting up in, in
1: 2019
0: oh okay sure and uh, have been a follower since and it's really started to ramp up in the last couple of years doing uh you know this little hobby of mine on the side
1: so do do you go, are, are you a season ticket holder do you go to the arrows games yes i am i am a season ticket holder uh oh, that, that, enough, that home win must have been unbelievable oh, you must have been out of your mind i was
0: gonna say we i i purchased with some of my friends i purchased a season ticket I think three years ago, and we haven't been able to go to many.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's been what fourteen hundred days, something around that. Maybe it, it was
0: just over a thousand days. Unbelievable, uh, like a thousand and twenty-eight, I think, until uh, since you know, from one home game to the next home game, actually in Toronto. So yeah. that was that was last weekend. Or Is it at the same venue ago. it was last time? Uh, no they've moved a little bit they they last year they split their seat or last year last time they split their right. season between um lamport stadium which is right in the downtown core of toronto okay. um, but isn't isn't a particularly great pitch and it has bleachers and there's a big camber in the pitch so the big lump in it basically and wow. um and fletcher's field uh, which was up in kind of north york it was actually grass and more of a, a a rugby pitch and this year they're playing at York Lions Stadium which is a yeah. university stadium and is a world rugby uh grade pitch and is so it looks better. beautiful it's yeah stunning stunning
1: it, so uh it's funny you know we're, we're here to talk about stats uh so you I was going to ask you what part of the UK you are from uh I had guessed by not for my listeners um james is wearing a london irish jersey right now and also the fact that you refer to yourself as british immediately told me you're definitely english <laughs> because i mean yes I, i've read recently that only english people use the word british it's like a gas gaslighting the other nations yeah in the UK. <laughs> yeah
0: and yes yeah, surprise surprise i am i am english
1: <laughs> yes well and uh the reason i bring it up though is uh you know When I look at the stats for my own podcast, it it tries to give me these helpful things like, oh, you have listeners here and here, and this is what we think your demographics are. But for some reason, you know, it breaks down smaller countries really well. So it'll be like, oh, you have this many people in Holland and you have this many people in Dubai. And then it says you have this many people in the UK. And I'm like... (laughs) That's not that helpful because uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the Scottish listeners are not the same demographic as the Welsh listeners and not Absolutely the same as the no. Irish listeners. You know, like a, it would be really helpful to know that, wouldn't it?
0: You would think. Yeah, especially uh, given the given the topic of your podcast, there's quite a lot of um, disparities between, you know, an English rugby fan and a Scottish rugby fan and a, for sure. and a Welsh rugby fan. They play in different leagues for a start.
1: Yeah. And the, and the Welsh fans are all suicidal right now.
0: Well, yes, Uh, I'm very good friends with one of them, actually, and he's
1: he's not (laughs) not doing great. (laughs) That was actually wildly inappropriate to make that joke. That was I I apologize for that. (laughs) Um, I do wonder, how did you end up in Toronto? You said it was 2016. Did you say that you ended up there?
0: Yeah, I moved over in 2016. Um, I really I I just fancied a change. I was about six six months out of university um, and. I was working up in London, really not not enjoying it very much, and um, learned about this opportunity through a uh, friend of a friend, and uh, thought it would be a good to get, good to give it a go. Originally, it was supposed to be it was a two year travel visa, so I came over oh, okay. on that, and I was I was kind of thinking, okay, well I can kind of base myself here, I can explore all that canada has to offer a stunning country so there's plenty yeah. to do and also you know dip down into the states whenever i want explore all of all of that as well and here we are almost six years yet later and i've barely left ontario uh not i think i've sort of got here decided you know what this is fantastic i love toronto i want to stay here you know for longer than the two years and then thought, well, I can see everywhere else, kind of down the road a little bit, and still haven't really got round to it because <laughs> the world, the world, kind of ended. I haven't had a chance to for the last yes, there, there, three there years.
1: Ha- there have been reasons to stay inside in the last yes. few years.
0: Yeah, a number of them. Um, well, so I haven't had a chance.
1: Well, I'm a super nerd, and my favorite band hails from Toronto. It's a gorgeous city. I've been there a f- several times. Um, do you feel close to considering yourself a Canadian? Have you become a Leafs fan? I noticed on your profile you say you're a hockey fan. Is that does that mean? Yeah. Leafs? Well-
0: Ironically, I did. I started to get into the the ice hockey and and the Maple Leafs, uh, because I thought it would give me something to talk about with with any of the Canadians I met over here. And uh, I think the only Canadians I would really consider part of my friend group are partners or you know boyfriends or girlfriends of British people I know. Uh, most of my friend group is English, Irish, Scottish, Welsh. <laughs> Great when Six Nations comes on, but all the
1: big all the big hockey nations, obviously. Oh yes, of course.
0: <laughs> so I'm, I'm now I'm the diehard fan among that group, and they they they're kind of sick of me for talking about the hockey all the time. But um, yeah, it's funny how things work out.
1: So what I asked you to come talk to me about today is statistics, because I've been following you for quite a while now, and you come up with the numbers that are just mind blowing to me. It's always stuff that I can't find. I'm always Amazed that you even found these things much, much uh, less, you know, put them together in a way that is so useful. So, you know, what is your interest in stats as they pertain to rugby? Like, do you have a, a background in what I imagine you would call maths, or is it just something you happen to like? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, well, uh, my background, you know, what I do for a day job right now, obviously this is just a hobby, is information management um, okay. for, for, a, for a law firm in, in Toronto. So that's sort of very analytics-based, very statistical. Um, so I think that's sort of where I got a lot of the skills. But um, honestly, it's it's something that just sort of occupied my time uh, during the first couple of lockdowns. Mm. Um, you know, we, we were very, um, you know, we moved off site and we had kind of probably six or nine months where there wasn't a lot happening work-wise other than just kind of ticking along and making sure nothing was on fire so I had I found myself with a lot of free time while I just monitored monitored emails in the background and um you know it was it was a long dark off season as well when that Mm. when that 2020 season got cancelled um you know we got five games or something and um I kind of thought, well, okay, I might as well. I need to do something to, to bide my time. I'm, I'm, I'm not the only one here, but my, my girlfriend is is in the other room, but she has a day job as well, and so she was always busy, and I was just sort of pottering around, annoying her. So I thought I would, um, I'd do something to pass the time, and started going through, you know, historic uh, match reports from from 2018, and putting together just <clears throat> initially, I was just reading them, just curious, um. And then I started to say, okay, well, this is interesting. Who, who I wonder who would be the top scorer or this guy has been mentioned a lot. I wonder how, how many, t- how many tries this guy scored or anything like that. So I started to put it together, um, from 2018. And then I thought, well, okay, why don't I just keep going? Nothing's, nothing's starting soon. I'll just do 2019. And then, well, I've done 2019. It's the middle of 2020 now. I might as well start that, um, So I got up to 2020 and then that by the time I finished 2020, it was sort of just in time for 2021. So I started doing that and then (laughs) I thought, well, why don't, you know, I'm keeping the records all for myself. No one seems to be sharing any of them. I'm sure if I'm interested in them, someone else would be. So I started doing that, you know, initially just on Twitter and then that started to get some momentum. So um, then I kept doing it, obviously. People seemed to be interested in it and... Towards the end of 2021, I think it was the end of the regular season. I thought, um, well, why not start like an Instagram page for it, and you know, that as as another method for people to see these things, and started doing that, and that actually got a lot of momentum very, very quickly. Mm, and not surprised. That was that was only for you know the playoffs in 2021, so two games really um, of you know active M L R rugby while I while this page was was up. Um, so then I had to sort of tide over the the off season, which was another very, very long off season. Oh, yes. Um, so I just said, well, why don't we I just do, you know, I started this Instagram page. A lot of my initial uh, information about it was just very text heavy. I started this Instagram page, which is obviously pictures. So I started playing around with some. Some ways to create uh, graphics for them. Then uh, I love format. the format
1: you have now. It's very succinct, but really put together, it grabs you well, visually. It's well, great. thank
0: you. Essentially, again, an influence from uh, from the NHL. Uh, they have oh. uh, sort of a stats page like that, and they have sort of a picture of a relevant player, and then the text in it. I thought, well, I'll just um, you know, take inspiration from that and go with sort of one post a week got A bit busier around, say, the draft one post a week, and then you know, the scheduler that was announced just to kind of tide people over. Um, and I was sort of expecting to have maybe 100 200 people kind of paying attention to this following this page before 2022, the start of 22, and then maybe 250 by the time the season starts. That was my aim. And I think I got to about 1,600 by the time the season started. So wow. I, I I kind of thought, well, I can't stop now. And now I'm, what are we, on? week 10 has just mm-hmm. finished. And I'm just over 2,000. So wow. still going strong.
1: I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I have felt starved for this kind of information. I'm somebody, you know, I think lots of Americans just love to look over sports stats and just look through box scores and see what's what. Yeah. And uh, the, we were just talking before the show. Uh, the MLR is not really in a position to do that in a robust way right now. They've got some stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. it's hard to come by. So people like me are very grateful for what you're doing. It's fantastic.
0: Well, I appreciate I appreciate that. Um, it's glad to know that um, people are watching.
1: Well, I'm, I'm keen to get into some of the numbers with you. But, um, you know, as I've been saying already, it, you know, it's hard to know where to start because of how little sort of content I'm able to find. Um, we, we Again, we were talking before the show and I was saying, sometimes I'm looking at these the site and I think, huh, I can tell just by looking at that that that's not quite accurate. And as soon as you see one stat that you think is a little off, it's really hard to put your faith in the other ones you come across.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, and... Like, like I've just explained, this a lot of this is my own work, so I'm I'm fairly confident in that, so I can fall back on this. Mm. Um, and as far as I know, before 2022, the MLR didn't really have any right. way of tracking uh, statistics. Um, I know that some teams did. I know uh, for sure the the Toronto Arrows have a have a guy for analytics and this kind of thing. Um, I think some teams do, and the Toronto Arrows actually have a page on their website for their their stats leaders and stuff like that. And they're good at posting, you know. Oh, nice! This player has just reached two hundred and fifty tackles. I think they're one of the better teams. I know that some teams are aware of it. I know that Utah have their own, um, based on uh, saber from you know Moneyball, baseball, that kind of stuff. Um, mm. They had something like that that they uh, very kindly sent over to me uh, just to, to take a look at. Oh wow! Uh, so I know that some teams had their own ways to, ways of collecting their stats, um, but these were unique to the team, and there was no centralised way of doing things. I know that for 2022, um, the MLR or MLR has uh, been working with Mobi M O B double I. Oh yeah, uh, and and and. and an analytics company uh, to keep track of their stats. And there is now a central uh, database for that kind of thing. Um, That's where we get things. um, For anyone that doesn't know, there's uh, on the MLR website, there's the results section. You can get a statistics tab from that. And there's I think there's now, I think maybe in the last couple of weeks, there's uh, now a player stats section which shows you, I think, top five or top three in various categories. Um, So it's getting there. It's definitely getting there. And um, yeah, it's it's good to know that MLR sees the value in this stuff and Mm. is working with a a professional company to put these things together. And um, very lucky for me in the last couple of weeks, I've actually got access to this system uh, to help me with, with my content and also to help the league out some stuff that they've reached out to me for. So oh, okay. very, very thankful for that.
1: That is fantastic. So that was actually my very next question. I'm glad you said that. Um, well, I'm ahead of you. Sorry. <laughs> that is, most people are, I find. <laughs> uh, do you mind if I bounce a couple of numbers I found off you? And again, these are for it. The, yeah. the, the very pages you just mentioned, just the, the sort of player stats and stuff. Um. An obvious place to start, you know, points leaders on the year. I, I'm not surprised at all to see that the top 10 point scorers this year are from 10 different teams. That just kind of makes inherent sense. You would, you're not surprised by that. But what surprised me was, you know, in the range of that top 10, the top two, 95 points and 85 points. That's the top two. That's, of course, Joe, uh, Joe Peterson and Bodine Waka. But then the drop off is pretty significant after that. With Mac Mason just at 70, um, Heinrich uh, is it Meyer or Mayer, and, uh, and a man whose name I've never said before. I think it's Cliven Lubeser. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they're 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 tied at 59. You know, does any of this surprise you? It says the top scorer for L.A. is Luke Burton with 42, which is less than half of the number two score. That that seems impossible. Is that is that a typo?
0: Uh, no, it's not. I, some of the numbers are, are off slightly from what I'm getting. Uh, for example, you just mentioned Luke Burton. I actually have him at 40 dead, uh, which okay, is tied wow. with Adrian Carlser, uh from Dallas. Wow. Um, <clears throat> part of the reason for that is that Luke Burton has been sharing the kicking duties with Irene Aie, okay. the, the maniac 40, 43 year old. I think that's <laughs> dominating the league right now. Um some of them, I think these these are accurate. Uh, I've got um, Clive and Lubsa and uh, Karl Meyer on 61 each. So again, there's another another um, little discrepancy there, and uh, Wacker on 87, not 85. Yeah. Um, so a few little differences, you know, a, a conversion here or there. Right. Um, I, I have ch- double, triple, quadruple checked mine, so I'm confident in that. So that's yeah. those, those are the ones I'm going with. But uh, to answer your question, no, it doesn't really surprise me. In fact you know, uh, based on my figures, Joe Peterson is at the top with 95 uh, and Adrian Kulzer is on 40 and Luke Burton both on 40. That's less than half.
1: Yeah. And I think that's just off.
0: from from, you know, uh, the amount of games they've played or whether they've been sharing kicking duties. Okay. I know even, even for, for Boding Walker, um, Mitch Wilson's kicked for a couple when he's looked a bit um, sure. when uh, Walker's looked a bit, you know, strapped up. He's got a very, very heavily strapped leg. In the yes, he does.
1: He's, he's borderline bored right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, and Carl um, Meyer's missed the last couple of games as well. Um, Cleveland Lubsa has had a, just had a bye week, uh, for example. Uh, Joaquin de la Vega Mendia, who sits in sixth, has been sharing kicking duties with Kurt Coleman. Um, okay. There's all kinds of different things like that uh, that are just the way of the the, the system. I think the way of okay. the way of how things work. Well, it's almost when you when you when you explain things like that, it's almost strange that. Joe Peterson is so far up there because most other teams seem to be sharing responsibilities to some extent.
1: Oh, yeah. But not them. <laughs> well, I mean, when you see that the 10th person is, you know, playing for LA, a, a team that is resurgent and looking really strong right now. It just, yes. It seems counterintuitive, but I guess if you look at it from the rugby point of view, I guess, okay, these things all kind of make sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing with LA is they've got so many attacking threats. They, they have... Eight scorers between twenty and forty points. You know, it's just <laughs> it's just insane. I think if I go through uh, right here, it's probably not as extreme as what I've just made out, but I will um, just get to the right tab here. Yeah, they've got you know Luke Burton on thirty, uh, Hanko uh with six tries on wow. thirty. So then Areni 80 with twenty five. So if you add that to Luke burton's he's on sixty five. It makes you know, a bit more sense. Interesting. Then uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players with two tries each and uh, 13 players with another one try. So it's just that it's not focused on one particular player. It's just that they have 23 different players that have scored points.
1: So in, in your rugby experience. Is that the sign of a, a stronger side if if your points are sort of spread out over your squad a little more than when it's somebody taking the giant slice of the pie and everyone else taking the remains? I,
0: I think so. I think it shows, you know, a more well-rounded and a stronger team. I mean, that being said, their tries right now is Hanko O'Hermish with six and the next nearest person has two. <laughs> so it is still a bit one-sided. Okay. But you know, they've got so many different scoring threats. It's no surprise that, you know, they did what they did to New York on at the weekend. Uh, even after clear. a funny start uh, where they, they didn't look too strong and they were riddled with injuries. I think they still have a few that are, you know, out for the season. Um, it, it, it does, to me, seem like they are a stronger side for it. Um, for example, again, Rugby ATL, a uh, very strong mm. side. In fact, M L R finalists last year. They have a uh, couple of scorers up there. They've got uh, Marco Janse van Rensburg is on seven tries. and um, right. Kurt Coleman on thirty-two. I think leading points. the league. Like he so. is leading the league. Yeah. Yep. And you know they've they've got Joaquin de la Vega Mendia, uh, fifty-two points. Kurt Coleman thirty-two. Marco Jansen van Rensburg thirty-five. I think they might actually be even more even in terms of you know the scoring discrepancies yeah they've got a a few players on three tries a load more on two like the the stronger sides tend to have um more more scoring threats
1: Do, uh, do you think that's directly indicative of the overall depth of a squad
0: yeah i believe so i i think so um you know if you've got uh replacements on the bench that can you know, on any other weekend, start a game and play a good 60 minutes with them, and you know, our own our us threatened, and let me rephrase that are scoring threats in their own right. Then, you know, it, it just adds so much more to the last 20 or 30 minutes to the game where you can go, okay, you know, in as proven by Utah last year, the comeback kings, mm-hmm. they tended to score a lot of their points in the last 20. Uh, And in fact, even did in a couple of games this year, uh, falling a little bit short. But um, to have that depth to come off on the bench just allows them to to really, really put the pressure on for the last quarter of the game, if need be.
1: Mm. So one of the things I'm constantly looking at is total points scored. Austin, they're still on top by what amounts to a couple of converted tries. I only just earlier today noticed that while my Free Jacks are still the league leaders, Atlanta has surpassed them for total points scored. Um, Well, and how do you how important do you think that stat is? I feel like in the previous years, MLR has been about I'm going to outscore you and that's how I'm going to win. Is the league still there? Um, Is that still key?
0: Um, Well, you're absolutely right in the I'm going to, you know, I'm going to concede 35 points, but I'm going to score 41. Uh, that was very much the uh, the the theme of of major league rugby for the mm. first few years. For example, the the actual second place in the all time leading um, points scored is Utah. Mm. They have one thousand four hundred ninety five points scored. Uh, in fact, no, I'm looking at the wrong one. They have one thousand five hundred twenty nine points scored. Wow. And um, but they also have the most points conceded with sixteen hundred and fifty one. You know, it's it's wow. which is which is why their their overall <laughs> record right now is played fifty five one nineteen, drawn three, but lost thirty three. You know they 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 score a lot, but they concede a lot. Um, whereas this year, in particular, as you mentioned, we're seeing a lot more, uh, you know, a lot more wider points differences. Uh, we had the the long the largest points difference or the largest winning margin in league history tied. This 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 year by Utah, funnily enough. Wow. Uh, they scored sixty nine points to surpassing the old record of sixty four. But you know, you look at this year and the the higher scorers tend to have the lower points against, especially in the West. Yes, um,
1: I'm absolutely about to get to that.
0: Austin are just a freak of nature at the minute with two hundred and eighty four and only a hundred two hundred eighty points for not two hundred eighty four. And 136 against. That's yeah. that's incredible. Like they, they double up their points um, already. And then you have a team in the East like Toronto, whose positive record, they've played 9 1 5, but they have a points difference of minus three. Yeah. Uh, they, they've scored 179, they've lost, uh, they've conceded 182. So although Toronto's games are closer and uh, their defence has been very good this year, um, you. It's, it's hard to undervalue the, the the value of scoring, for want of a better way to put it. You know, Austin have are out here racking up crazy tri-bonus points. Rugby ATL have six tri-bonus points in their nine games. Wow. Um, and that is, you know, why they're so close to the Free Jacks in terms of points, despite losing uh, one extra game. Mm. Uh, the bonus points really do mean a lot. And if you can balance having the offense to, to, to claim that try bonus point while having the defense to prevent your opponent from scoring the uh, the losing bonus point, mm. you're going to be an advantage, especially in, a, in a, a conference game.
1: Well, you you pointed squarely at the next thing I was going to say, which is, you know, for me, this is a very scary tidbit. Um, so while the Free Jacks do have a better record, Austin have let in 60 fewer points, at least according to the, the site I'm using, 60 fewer points than we have let in. That is a significant amount when you're looking at the totals. Um, are they as scary as I think they are right now?
0: Well, I was I was going to say they looked like the, the shine was fading a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But after that, the, the Texas Cup win against Houston, who are pretty strong this year. Yeah. Um, no, they're, they're scary. The Austin are very scary. Um, like you mentioned, you're absolutely right with the Free Jacks having conceded 60 more points. And uh, that's a lot at this stage. It it looks worse when you look at the tries, I'm afraid. Yeah. Austin have conceded 15 tries and the free Jacks are up at 27. So nearly twice as many tries conceded by the free Jacks.
1: I'm so glad I didn't find that stat before now.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry that I brought it up right now. (laughs) Luckily you do have the same amount of bonus points. Um, Austin has one more try bonus point, but the free Jacks picked up a losing bonus point.
1: So, again, I I, I'm hoping my stats match with yours, but so if you look at the the top two teams in the West, we were just talking about point differentials as well. If you look at the top two teams in the West, and then you look at the top two teams in the East and you look at those point differentials uh, for my listeners, just in case, uh, just how many more points they've scored over their opponents in total. So we're actually lowest. It looks like our differential is only 66, according to what I saw as opposed to Austin and LA who have more than double that, um, so does that indicate to you when you're looking at these numbers that the free jacks are simply the weakest of those four teams or does it indicate something more ineffable like oh well we have the most resilience and grit because we keep finding ways to win those close games
0: i would probably argue it is it is more towards the latter oh. uh you know is it, is the the free jacks the the baseline for this is the free jacks have the most wins yeah you know they're, they're eight and one they're the only team with eight and one and arguably they should have probably beaten LA when, you know, a weak LA side when they played them back in round, I don't know, two or three
1: Yeah, that would have been nice
0: Um,
1: I I think we might have been mesmerized by the sunshine
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's easily (laughs) done Um, Yeah, I think it's just uh, they're finding more ways to pull off uh, pull off those gritty wins, you know, the perfect example is uh, the the Seattle game the other day, it was fairly low scoring 24-22 yeah, and it was scary. Admittedly, that's that's because Seattle scored in the last minute to claim the the losing bonus point, but it was a very very close run thing. Yeah, but the Free Jacks came out on top. It was, something like I mentioned earlier about the the Toronto Arrows—they actually have a minus three points difference, so they've won more games than they've lost.
1: I find that you know, very yeah, having a a positive record and being on behind on the points differential—I feel like that just doesn't happen that often.
0: Yeah, I mean it is only minus three. Funnily enough, I've just noticed that Houston uh, also five wins, four losses, and have minus one. So huh. both very both very close. But Toronto's score lines are very close, generally speaking. You know, uh, just off the top of my head, they lost against ATL 2014. They lost. Um, they've claimed two losing bonus points in their four losses, and I think even one of those was against Seattle, where Seattle scored an interception try right at the end. And one was against LA um, back in in week two, I think, which was a bit of a, a bit of a blowout. But that that being the exception to the rule, they just they're keeping games close. They just seem to be falling on the wrong side of things when compared to the Free Jacks, for example, mm. who were just falling on the right side of the score
1: sheet. So, do you think you know when we're looking at the numbers as they are right now, uh, we're through round ten. Um, Do you think the stats we're looking at right now will pretty much hold to form the rest of the season? Do you think that they are predictive of the way the season will continue to go? Or do you see some some big swings coming? You know, what stat do you think is most likely to look the most different from what it does now when all is said and done this year?
0: Well, I think it it might be a bit of a cop out answer, but I think uh, old glories wins are going to look vastly different by the end of the season oh, they yeah? have looked they've looked very very threatening the last two weeks pushing yeah. Toronto very very close and I think New York very very close uh, they so were both, they were right there both Eastern Conference uh, teams who they will play more regularly than the Western Conference and they've looked they've looked like you know a bit more like the old DC that we're used to um mm. that I it might be a bit too late for the playoff hopes I think but I think so um I think they 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 could cut really come into form in the second half of the season. Really? Um, it's it's almost surprising how different they looked at the start of this season. They look nothing like the the DC that went four and one to start the the shortened 2020 season. Right. Um, I just don't really believe that they're in the same class as Dallas. Who, not to say anything bad about Dallas, sure. they're an expansion team sure. which has had rotten luck across the board they didn't even get to start with their head coach was was
1: unavailable like a week before the season
0: exactly and then they had you know half well half their roster just injured in one fell swoop so it's really really nothing nothing to say that Dallas is um, a bad team or anything like that it's just that they've had rotten luck Um, old glory I think are better than their record suggests especially in the last couple of weeks
1: do dallas and dc play each other the rest of the way i'm i'm wondering like i speculated last week uh or this this week on the pod about will it be possible to have two winless teams in the same league in the same year it, it can't be right
0: well i think they they, they play each other uh, on round in round 12 so okay. in two weeks okay. time
1: it's coming i mean i guess they could draw but
0: i guess they could draw yeah but that would be unlikely i think um and I, I really think that Old Glory will take that, and pro- well, you'd think based on recent performances by a cobbled together Dallas side that they would they would run away with it a little bit.
1: I mean, I'm always rooting for the underdog, so I want Dallas to get a win at some point. Um, so do I?
0: I mean, they're an expansion side. I would like them to get their their first win, and they came so close against um, Houston, I think it was. Yeah, um, that was that was gutting.
1: It just must be so frustrating for the players, especially when they're behind the eight ball right at the beginning of the season with, oh, we don't know who our coach is. Like, how do you prepare for for a season as big as this?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, having the first overall draft pick is all well and good, but it doesn't have the same impact in the MLR as it does in other uh, major leagues around the the US. Um, Sure, it's not the NBA. No, it's not, it's not.
1: So what do you think are the most telling statistics that you can look at in rugby. So I've often speculated, it, it seems to me, it's a really hard sport to evaluate just by the numbers. Um, but I'm sure there are some key things that you like to look at. What are your sort of favorite things to look at that, I, that you think sort of inform you the most about a, a, a club or a, you know, a performance over a season? What are you always looking at?
0: Well, I think there are there are some you know looking at points scored and, and all that is is well and good, but it doesn't really um, isn't really an accurate reflection. For example, you know right. having a great front row in the scrum is incredibly important for one of the main step pieces in the game, but they never score. Right, they right. never ever score. So if you're assessing that just by the points scored, then with the hooker aside, I guess for this uh, for this league, then. Um, you know, if you're just assessing the props, they never, ever score. So you can't say, well, he's, you know, this prop is bad because he's only scored one try in 15 games. That doesn't matter. Mm. It just flat out doesn't matter. Uh, one of the things I do like to say, as I just mentioned, is hooker aside. Um, the hookers tend to score a lot of tries in this league. The leading try scorer this season is a hooker. The leading, the joint leading try scorer of all time in the MLR is a hooker. Wow. And that's, um, I think that, you know, it's not worth saying. Okay, well, whatever. It's a hooker scoring a try. It's actually, it's a, it's an entire forward pack scoring a try.
1: Right. Because right.
0: all well, the vast majority of those he's not tries breaking out an open off.
1: space and and dusting people into the corner.
0: Absolutely <laughs> not. No, it's it's coming off a a rolling maul from a line-out, uh, which is entirely forward pack. Well, it's, it's the whole eight men. Uh, sometimes the backs coming to join in for the mauls, so in which case it's an entire team try. But you know, I think that's a good reflection of oh, if you scored. 15 tries from your hooker this season it's fair it's good money to assume that probably 13 of them have come from a rolling mall wow. and then you can say well this team's rolling mall is incredible because and their forward pack are excellent with keeping a line out in a in an in an attacking position and converting that line out to a to a try scoring uh, opportunity uh there's also other things that are more more in depth such as you know meters made it'll show you the best runners in the in the league through line breaks and through meters made past the gain line Um, i I got
1: a brief glimpse of those stats and it looked like there's one player whose name has already escaped me who is way ahead this year
0: it's yeah it's billy meeks uh, for la uh who's made he looks like he's doing everything well, you, you say that, but he didn't play against, um, well, I think it was not round 10. He didn't play in round nine. And he's, oh, wow. he still came after round nine with an, like 150 meters made yeah, yeah. advantage over who's next. Right now, he's sat on 100, 955. Next is Will Leonard, who has a fantastic season on 835. Wow. And then it gets close. Then there's like Ed, Ed Fido and Renata, Renata Roberts tenana for old glory who haven't won anything. He's made 800 metres. Hmm. And, you know, moving over to the ta- the defensive side, the tackle's made. A great stat if you're a free Jack, I think, right now. But all glory have three of the top ten tacklers in the league. But they have no wins to show for it. It's it's bizarre. I don't really understand. Um, uh, to, just to go back to the free Jack stat, the top three tacklers in the league are all free Jacks still. <laughs>
1: Uh, so I, I'm literally desperately looking through my notes here to find that because that was the biggest one I was going to ask you that seems unreal because it says the top three tackles made players this year are all free jacks. That alone seems mind-boggling. But then like the drop-off from, I think Josh Larson is third for us. And then there's a huge drop-off and it's, it just doesn't seem possible. Is that a typo? Is that something I'm just not understanding? I don't think it's a
0: it's a typo. I think it's, it's, it's actually evened up a little bit now. The gap is only about nine tackles, and okay. then nine again. So it's fairly even now. But um, I don't think it's. I think it's legitimate. You know, they're they're just workhorses. These three guys, Slade McDowell, right now is on the lead. Joe, Joe 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 Johnston is second, and then Josh Larson is third. They kind of alternate from week to week.
1: Slade McDowell has been unbelievable he us. is
0: absolutely he's incredible he is an absolute bulldog yeah <laughs> and he's you know scored five tries on top of that and exactly
1: he's on the on two lists that you wouldn't expect anyone to be on the same list
0: no I mean he's fantastic the, the one the one thing that's a little concerning about this tackles made chart is the the top three are free jacks great the next one is 11th the next one is 23rd mm. and that's the only th- oh five i see in I top see. 25 okay so how long can these three sustain it might be a bit of a concern and what if one of them gets injured is uh, probably a big concern i know i know the free jacks have just brought in vian conradi again which probably helps for their back back mm, row um, definitely to have, have a guy like that come off the bench bench and then maybe an international uh, but it is it is a bit of a concern it might not be a concern if they don't get injured and keep up this work right but well so if-
1: <laughs> two, two weeks in a row so one week uh Josh Larson got literally punched in the face and the ref was like ah that's fine and the next week he had somebody choke him during a mall and the ref was like Play on, and I'm like, yeah. There's, there's been uh, some interesting. Does ones. somebody have to just whip out a stiletto and knife this guy before they actually call a penalty? Like, there's no way he can stay healthy if everyone's allowed to assault him, right? Yeah,
0: it, there's there's been some funny things in a more like lots of arms that are riding up conveniently yeah. and stuff like that. I know there was um, for the arrows, there was a uh, a full on like punch to the back of the head. Um, uh, I think it was Lucas Rumble. Like back of his head got punched, and the ref was just like they went to the TMO, and they said, "Oh, it's just a little, you know, push." It's a rugby incident, and it wasn't this, this guy, whoever the puncher was, I can't quite remember, got banned for three games afterwards because it was a very clear oh. punch, and there was a picture of Rumble afterwards, and it looked like he'd been hit by a car. Yeah, like it. Like, it's great having TMO. Don't get me that. Don't get me wrong. I like enjoy that, and it's great, but they don't seem to be making the right decisions. <laughs>
1: Well, it was I might be biased on that one. The uh, it was two Toronto
0: player.
1: When you look at the the stats from last year, according to our official website at least, it last time I looked, it indicated that we that the entire league saw two red cards last year. Uh maybe they've updated that since then. Uh that seems impossible to me unless I mean, is discipline in Major League Rugby just the best in the entire planet right now? Because that seems mm, very, yeah. very unlikely.
0: I I have six. Okay. In, in my uh, in, still in seems my records, which does still seem low. Uh, then again, I have a combined. Uh, let me do this for yellow cards. Uh, 119 yellow cards. Ah,
1: that sounds that sounds more like it.
0: So it might just be that they're less prepared to bring out a red um which i'm not sure maybe it has something to do with the fact that i've seen all this uproar on rugby twitter and rugby social media about the world rugby trying to or thinking about introducing the 20 minute red card rule
1: do you have an opinion on that what's your take on that i, I think I, I, I don't like it I, I watch super rugby and every time they say oh it's a red card and then 20 minutes later somebody comes on i'm like what
0: yeah i mean i i i think it dilutes the severity of what they've done um even if it's accidental you know is a thing it's human uh, we're all humans it's making an error if you know someone pushes you into contact with someone in the air that could end very very badly but it's still you that gets penalized for that
1: yeah the, the, the argument i often hear is like oh well it's unreasonable because it penalizes the whole team for one player's but it's like yeah but if there's a scrum penalty that penalizes all the backs. They didn't. They had nothing to do with that. Like you know, like yeah. And you everything know, everything penalizes same, everybody. It's a team sport. You're
0: absolutely right. And the same for a repeat infringement. Yeah. You know, if you're close to the line and you just do something that you normally just get a penalty for, but you've done it three or if someone else has done it three times in a row, then guess what? You get pinged for it, even though yep. you only did it once. And that's again the whole point of a yellow card is it penalizes the whole team for ten minutes. Right. I don't. I don't really put any weight to that argument, to be honest with you. I, I don't think that a red card should be 20 minutes. Admittedly, the idea that the the player that gets the red card can't come back on, maybe there's some value in that. They they are banned for the game, you just bring a replacement on to, in their place. But I still don't think it's right. I think they should probably keep the red card as a red card. Mm. You know, you're off for the game. And it it, it also seems at least this might be a bit of a different point, at least in Major League Rugby this season in particular. Uh, with maybe one exception, unless you get a red card, nothing is reviewed by a disciplinary panel or anything like mm. that. And it has to be a red card before it gets there. I think I saw, and it, it also seems to be automatic. You know, if it's a red card, it's a three-week suspension. I think I, I can't remember the player's name or even what game it was. But someone was tugging at this guy's shirt, and he does, you know, throws an elbow back to try and get this guy off his shirt. Doesn't make contact at all, but the guy reacts because he's seen an elbow coming at him. He's moved. The TMO sees it. This guy gets a red card, even though he didn't actually make contact with it. Oh wow, I missed that and, entirely. And suspended for three games, even wow. though he didn't didn't actually look like he made contact. Oh dang! So
1: I, that's the kind of thing where, like, we're trying to get head injuries out of the game like there a lot of the reason for the crackdown is to avoid player injury and serious head injury and this guy's like well next time i'm gonna make contact because it's not worth it to not make contact yeah, if i
0: don't make contact i get the same punishment anyway exactly. yeah yeah might as well
1: whack the guy yeah
0: yeah especially in in the heat of uh, heat of battle heat of a rugby match I'm, um yeah it might go the wrong way but i i'm not saying i don't completely agree with anything to the head is no you know straight away you know you get punished harsher for stuff like that but um well i I would
1: i would love to get your take on this too so and this might be a a lunatic theory of mine because people are always talking about yellow cards versus red cards and what do we do do we change it we there obviously this 20 minute red card thing's being floated it seems to me like red there's a lot more red cards now and so when you're watching any rugby now especially the older commentators tend to be like I can't believe that was red card. They get really upset when, when refs give out red cards for what they would consider sort of incidental contact to the head or accidental contact. It does seem to me that there is a difference between an accidental. What is now a red card versus a malicious red card. Like uh, if, if I don't lower myself enough or you don't lower yourself the right way and I'm trying to tackle, but my shoulder hits your head and and the ref says, well, according to the rules, that's a red card. That's different than when I see you on the ground, me, you know, stomping on you with my cleats or something like that. Like there's there's, yeah, the, there's, sure there's right. the whoops and there's the I'm trying to hurt you now thing. And it feels mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe the the accidental red card is this 20 minute version or at least. A non further sanctioned version of the red card, whereas the malicious ones are the ones that are like, okay, by the way, you can't play for the next three days
0: As well, so you're suggesting sort of a middle tier of of sanction, really? Exactly. You know, so a red card, or well, twenty minute red, and a yellow.
1: Yeah, if, if the body I says mean, that was a technical red card versus a malicious red card.
0: Yeah, well, that that is something that would have to go to straight to TMO. But then again, in in most of the the, the professional leagues in the world, they have TMO, and it, you know, they they use it um i think right now the the idea or the difference between what's considered malicious and what's considered accidental is determined by a disciplinary panel right uh you know if it's accidental and you know with the replay you can prove it's accidental and you know you just rode up you'll get possibly a fine, possibly no suspension possibly a light suspension as compared to pick out a thin air like an eye gouge yeah where no, you, you. uh, you'd absolutely get heavily penalized for that. Um I guess that's that's where the, the malicious accidental comes in right now. Um mm. whether that makes it way makes its way into you know a game time decision. It's an option. Um, we've seen we've seen the MLR trial new rugby rules well new world rugby rules before. Sure. we we'll will we'll, I suppose we'll see what happens next season.
1: So I do want to ask. I, I I told you before we got together. I wanted to give you an opportunity, just a, a platform, to talk about some of the compelling stats that you've reported this year. I know there must have been a lot of them, and I I kind of want to just give you the floor. You know, what has surprised or impressed you in Major League Rugby this year? By the way, I like that we've all collectively decided to call it the MLR, even though the Major yeah. League Rugby doesn't really make sense. I, no, I, I, I'm I'm owning it. I love it. If you abbreviate it. The M
0: L R. If yeah. you don't, it doesn't make sense. You're yeah. a major league rugby. <laughs> um, well, I think, I think in general the the quality of the games tend to be a lot closer in terms of scoreline. Um, oh, sorry, the quality of the games tend to be better, and it's reflected in the closer scorelines. That's okay. a better way to put it, um, you know, there's a lot more competitive games. There's not so many blowouts. There's not even so many. Games where both teams are scoring over forty points you know it's much more centered around twenty to thirty points for a side is typically normal and that shows that the the quality of both defense well the defense is improving and
1: that, that seems clear
0: yeah I mean that's absolutely clear and the 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 offense is improving I think as well to match the defense but not to the extent that the defense is improving. I, I think that the just the quality of, of of the rugby in in this season compared to others, especially if you go back to the early 2018, 2019 games mm. is, is vastly different. And um although I don't have statistics on it, I don't think the the amount of non-US players has grown a particular non-US on Canadian players has grown a massive amount, which means mm. there's still those those US and Canadian talents in squads. It just means they're better now. They're better mm. than they were in 2018 and 2019. That makes
1: sense. Yeah, yeah. They're
0: they're better at defence. They're better um, at set pieces. All kinds of stuff like that. It's just squad the score depth lines across
1: the board seems to be better. Squad
0: depth across the board is absolutely better, and uh, they seem to be using a lot of. At least from what I've seen, I haven't actually drawn up the uh, the figures yet on this, but they seem to be using more of the draft picks than they did in twenty twenty one. Oh, um, at least I've I've seen more names in more games that are recognised from the draft, mm. and and that's good. It will show that the draft system works, and it can it is a pathway for US players to play for their high school, play for their university, get drafted by an MLR team, and actually have opportunities to gain playing minutes at the highest level of, of competitive rugby in, in North America.
1: Uh, What are some other stats that you've come across that you have been sort of proud that you were able to post or that you were like, Oh, wow, this one really shocked me or or this one. I think everyone's going to be blown away when they look at it. Um, You know, it's one of my favorite things about stats is every now and then you just come across something that's so, so I'm an old school NBA fan and I used to watch Michael Jordan play and I compulsively was checking the box scores every morning. And there was one night when Michael Jordan scored, you know, 35 points, but it took him 50 shots to get there or something like that. He had a kind of an off night. He just kept shooting. Meanwhile, the same night Reggie Miller uh, made 14 or 15 shots. And I'm like, and nobody talked about him. And I'm like making 14 or 15 shots is so much better than making, you know.
0: Yeah, it was a bit eclipsed, I think. Really, wasn't it? By, yeah.
1: Uh,
0: Michael Jordan, but that tended to be the way. I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I, th- I think one of them. One of them I, I sort of almost stumbled upon was um, I'll mention him again. Arnie Ae, the mm. the oldest player to play in a major league rugby game at forty two years, five months, and ten days. Now,
1: could you he's be broken more specific? There. Yeah.
0: Might find out the minutes and the hours soon. I'm not <laughs> sure. But he's played a couple of games now. This was done at his first. So he's broken that by seven days pretty much every week. Yeah. So it's not quite true there. Nobody's catching up. No. But the, the, the funny thing about that is in the same game for LA, uh, Kayanu Koi uh, made his debut for LA at 18 years, eight months and 15 days. Oh, wow. He's the youngest player to play in the MLR. That's for the same beautiful. team in the same game.
1: Wow. I love that.
0: It was um pretty, well, I don't know what the uh, what the chances of that are, but unless they were wow. aiming for it in particular, I'm not sure, but I like to think not.
1: That's the full rainbow.
0: It is, isn't it? It's <laughs> um yeah, pretty I'm not sure that will happen
1: again. <laughs> wow, that is super cool. Um Anything else that, that you know? While, while I've sort of handed you the the mic, so to speak, uh, anything else that you wanted to make sure you got out while we we're talking?
0: Just I think to say that um, Dylan, Dylan Fawcett for New York is an absolute beast. Um, oh I think he's he's scored twenty six tries for New York, who have scored only one hundred and seventy one tries in their in their history. And I think, well, actually, let me just do the quick maths on this right here. That is. Uh, 15% of their point of their tries.
1: Wow. And he's and, not even and he's not always there.
0: And he's not always there, especially not this season. Um and he's their top scorer of all time top points scorer of all time. Despite, you know, over a kicker over a couple of kickers they had, Dan Holland's had as well last year. He's their top scorer, not a kicker. <laughs> One of I think maybe oh. the only MLR team to have a try scorer as a as a top scorer.
1: It took me a second to even sort of comprehend what you just said. I can't think of any team where the person who's kicking all your points isn't the lead scorer. Exactly.
0: Yeah, that's why it's so, so unusual. I think until a couple of weeks ago, it was the same in uh, Atlanta, but um, that's because they've been splitting kicking juicy, duties a fair bit. They've got Joaquin De La Vega-Mendia. They had Adrian Karelsa last year and Kurt Coleman, they were all kind of splitting duties between last season and this season. But Kurt Coleman is now their leading scorer, um, points scorer, uh, as of, I think a couple of weeks ago, overtaking Marco Schans van Rensburg, who scored 16 tries for a ridiculous amount of points. But New York are the only the only team that have a try scorer, solely try scorer, has uh, their top point scorer.
1: That's remarkable. The man is a beast. Yeah and so,
0: um 15 of all their tries come from him and he hasn't even played that much this year
1: yeah and i think he's coming back right in time for us to play him
0: yeah yeah great to uh to hopefully equal the the mlr's longest winning streak ever oh god no pressure
1: oh man, that means they have that extra oh Oi. um so If I could give you three more questions and then let you go, you've already given me a whole hour of your time. I'm hugely grateful for you to spend all this time with me. Uh, Can I give you three more little bits? Yeah, yeah, sure, please. So I was saying earlier, it it seems, at least to me, it's really hard to evaluate rugby through stats. At least, you know, maybe like you you can find things as you have proved, uh, but, you know, maybe less so than, Gridiron football or baseball or basketball, for example, but I mean, it also is possible that those leagues are just so rich that they just have X number of people more looking at those numbers and crunching them. But I guess the question is, who is a player in Major League Rugby who is a real difference maker, but will never pop out at you on a stat sheet? I think
0: that will probably be, as I mentioned earlier, someone in the pack, you know, someone in the forwards that's mm. absolutely dominant in the scrum. Uh, who, is the best,
1: who is the best, uh, who I should say, who are the best props in the MLR right now?
0: Well, the props is, is difficult to say. Um, I was a flanker. I didn't know the mysteries of the front row when I played. So <laughs> it's, it's very difficult to quanti- quantify that. I don't even think there's anything in anything that I have that really quantifies I may, maybe scrums one but that's not an individual performance you know right. i it's difficult to say honestly um i'm not probably not the, but you probably have to ask an ex-prop who that is maybe um alex cobisiera knows down in la oh, i'm I afraid gonna, i don't uh, have an
1: answer for you note yourself give him a call oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, i think you know oh, in sorry, terms sorry. of a
0: different a difference maker it's probably like i really like Again, I'm biased. I'm a Toronto Arrows fan. I live in Toronto, but I like Lucas Rumble. You know, he's mm. leads at least last season. He led the the league in breakdown steals, and I think that's a really telling stat to know. Oh. Well, he's not going to be on score oh, that, sheet. He's not going to be not going to be not necessarily making tackles, but is an absolute menace at the breakdown. Mm. It's almost it's almost guaranteed he's going to get one or two a game. Um, let's see right here. I might even be able to find out breakdown Steels. it's a, it's a great uh, yeah. name
1: too. rumble always. rumble helps. oh yeah, yeah.
0: It's, it's almost onomatopoeic isn't it um, yeah yeah <laughs> i do yeah, I,
1: what my name says yeah
0: yeah <laughs> it's uh, i think something like that is 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 very very underrated um almost Especially if you can do it regularly, like some of these guys. Well, and
1: and once you once the other players, of course, their coaches must let them know that this guy is this kind of danger. It becomes becomes a whole thing because your opposition, it's in your head. You're like, oh, this guy's going to be stealing it. Yeah, and
0: uh, e- and even in that case, like this year in particular, Rumble isn't even the the Toronto Arrow with the most breakdown steals. Probably well, because exactly that reason. Yeah, because other all coaches about know him. to target him, and then you've got other threats that do it instead. Everyone's yeah, yeah. watching this guy, and all the ball's gone. Um, I also think that that sort of applies to someone like Danny Barrett for Houston this year, Um, the USA sevens man. He's he's always, again, a flanker. He's always seems to be a nuisance at the breakdown. Um, Always seems to be involved in some way, if not stealing a breakdown and earning a breakdown penalty or something like that is, is just a menace this year down in, down in Texas. Um, Although I think he's more of an attacking threat as well. I've noticed in the last at least this season, and maybe even the Six Nations, we tend to see flankers more as line-out receivers and po- placed on the wing as well. So maybe that's getting a bit more noticeable. But um, those are a couple of examples I can, I can name off the top of my head.
1: Can you tell me a statistic that you wish you had access to? It, it could be something that you know, maybe they they keep it quiet. Maybe it's an in-house thing that clubs know, but they don't spread. Or maybe it's something that they don't even track yet. Is there something that you wish you could see every you know Monday morning like to that would inform you more about what you're trying to understand?
0: I mean, if you asked me a couple of weeks ago, I would have an, a great answer for this. That was slightly before I got access to their whole databases ah. when I could say, oh, well, Tackles Meets kicking, it. everything like that. Now <laughs> I have access to that. I've got most things. I think, I think something that they don't really publish unless it's a record um, would be attendance. Attendance at each oh. game for each team. I don't know if that would be monitored by the league themselves or by the teams, mm. but I would like to see, you know, average attendance compared to... Uh, average attendance this year compared to last year compared to the year before whether it's going up how it's trending anything like that mm. you know percentage of the stadium that's actually full because attendance doesn't say everything la right. are playing in a seventy-five seater stadium <laughs> that's not really fair if they well i don't i don't think they're going to fill it for a rugby game anytime soon but i don't
1: i don't think if they make it to the finals are they going to fill it I don't no think so.
0: no but they have you know if they get four thousand people in there then and you know pick a team at random Dallas in a baseball stadium might get two thousand that's that's actually a bad example if New York and then you stadium in Hoboken might get two thousand then that's not fair because that's that's only full to two thousand people. Yeah yeah they might get four thousand four thousand five hundred if they had the room for it. You know I, I think that's the one thing that I'd like to see uh, that I don't I don't have right now I don't think they even publish it. Especially seeing all these um it seems to be almost on a game by game basis. The Women's Six Nations is setting attendance records all over the place, they which are. is fantastic to see. But they're, yep. you know, they're showing this thing off, and um, I think that would be good to good to get access to um, in the future.
1: Yeah, the the Women's Six Nations has been great this year, and uh, I mean, it's obviously even more the haves and the have-nots than in the men's game. But there's, yeah. there's a lot to fix, but. You know, uh, I was talking to somebody recently, and it was like the to me at least, the overall trajectory of rugby union, sort of at the men's level seems to be pretty level or you know, slightly angled up as it has been, just sort of always getting a little better. But the women's game, that angle is way up. It, it seems it, like is, it, it is it is way up, yeah, the attention drawn to it,, uh, the people supporting it, people getting involved, it seems like it's flying right now,
0: yeah, I think I think that's um unfortunately because there is so much room to grow in the women's game because it hasn't been invested mm. in 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 the past like like the men's game has you know i think i just i heard on on um on the internet that the the women's world cup squad from 1991 i think it was the us they're getting their name on the on the trophy at long last and it was just sort of something i assumed which for my detriment i just assumed well yeah you mean?
1: they won the world cup why, why are they not on the trophy because but, it wasn't originally sanctioned for years it wasn't years. sanctioned
0: no i've learned that right. since i i did a bit of reading on it and found out why but it's exactly that you know they won the world cup but it wasn't official
1: i only (laughs) know that because i'm very lucky to know a woman who played on that team wow and scored scored tries in that game in those games too
0: oh wow that's amazing
1: (laughs) Uh, it's one of the reasons i've sort of gotten into rugby you know she she introduced me to super rugby and uh that's the league that was my springboard and then the, the prem and the urc mm. you know the, then the, the pro 14 and so on and then when a, a hometown team cropped up like you know with you you're like well the arrows are right here like yeah t- yeah it takes, takes me an hour to go see the the free jacks and it's just a wonderful time every time
0: yeah well i can imagine
1: i will i will be there in a couple of weeks i can't wait um so final question and you're kind of uniquely situated to answer this now that I know how much access you have to these things and, and how they've sort of asked you to contribute. How do you think the MLR can use statistics in their broadcasts and media to sort of make the sport more compelling? It's funny because in my notes, I said, should they just hire you? And now I'm like, oh, well, I guess I don't have to ask that.
0: Well, I, I will say it's still voluntary, unfortunately. Okay. It's, still, it's all still voluntary. I, I, I I'm not. I'm not with the MLR. I don't speak for them or anything like that. It's still a voluntary position, but they know where I am. They are aware <laughs> of me. Um, I, think, I think it just, as you mentioned um, earlier, it's just, you know, American sports are almost uniquely into their the statistics, their box scores, all the in-depth yep. um, analytics and everything like that. It's almost uniquely a, an American and North American thing
1: i think um, it, i think it's spreading i think the, the the craze is spreading but it's definitely i better. think
0: i think you're probably right but i like watching the going to the watch the prem in 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 the uk or in england anyway um it's very they don't really talk about the stats they talk about you know mm. a guys history or which club he's from or anything like that mm. but maybe appearances but that'll be it it won't be anything like this um this level that I'm 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 doing as a hobby and I think that can really sort of bring an extra dimension to the broadcast and give give those watching another another sort of angle to um to view things from it's very especially in a league that's growing like MLR it's it's very hard to get into if you don't know some of the names or some of the backgrounds or anything like that and it's an easy way to do so by saying oh it's Joe Peterson, he scored ninety-five points this year. He's second overall mm. in M.L.R. history for points scored, or something. You'll be like, "Oh, okay, so he's good." You know, even if it's as simple as that. And um, I think, I think this weekend, round ten, you know, the weekend we just had, they the the Rugby Network trialed this this pick and go thing. Oh, I'm yeah, not sure yeah. if you you participated at all, but that's. I think it's sort of uh, the the gray area between sports betting and. Uh, statistics it's sort Mm. of I think it's free right now but I think that's the way it's probably going to go and that's just saying you know coming up with questions saying well who do you think is going to score next will it be the free jacks by a penalty will it be the free jacks by a try will it be Mm. Seattle by a penalty Seattle by a try and I know uh for definite that they're planning on enhancing that a little bit by uh having a uh, essentially another little box at the bottom of that with MLR news or MLR statistics or MLR Uh, something to, to sort of bring an extra angle to that oh, that's which excellent. is is the entire reason for that is crowd participation and crowd engagement and everything like that which oh, I think okay. is is a fantastic uh, thing to do we'll see how it plays out um, I'm actually responsible for coming up with some of that new stuff so we'll yes. see but um, that that I think is 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 the perfect sort of embodiment of what you're asking you know how how can these figures and how can what I'm doing actually bring another dimension to the broadcast and I think they I think they've trialed it last weekend but they, they they I think that's a good thing to do I think that's perfect
1: so uh, once again you might be the per- perfect person to ask And I'm sorry I just s- said this is my final question and then I'm asking you more it's okay but uh as somebody who's coming from a country that loves rugby and understands rugby and spends a lot of time watching rugby and then you come here and you know people know that rugby is a sport and in my experience that's almost the extent of it the announcers the commentators during our games they're forced to walk you know a pretty fine line where on one hand you need to explain what we're seeing so that new fans understand what just happened especially it's the scrum like the most mystifying thing of, of any sport in my experience but they also can't be condescending and be like okay folks that looked like a touchdown, but it's, we call it a try. They can't, they can't, you know, dumb it down all the way where the the rugby fans who are already watching are like, okay, yeah, I get it. Click. Do you think they're doing mm. a good job of that? Do you think uh, do they still need to make adjustments? Is that one of our biggest struggles right now?
0: No, I think I think the balance is largely okay. Um, you're absolutely right in that. In a, in a league as as small as it is, it's got some global recognition for the odd thing here or there, but mm. it's not it's not as big as anywhere near as any as anywhere near as big as any of the other professional leagues in, in Europe or in, in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, it's it's a tough balancing act because the diehard rugby fans like you and I are going to be the ones that spend more money. We're going to go to more games. We're going to buy all the merchandise. We're going to buy season tickets. Everything like that. But they still want to grow to to convert more fans to our level. So they have to still attract them. But I I think they've done largely a good job. I think it's great to have ex-players doing some of these things or ex-coaches. I know there's Mike Tolkien, who was the US head coach. He's he's doing some stuff. There's um, Alan Stanford played in the sevens. That's that's great. He's got playing experience. Uh, Alex Corbisiero is a sideline reporter.
1: Dallin was nice enough to sit down with me for, you know, more than a whole hour just recently and he is made of magic. The guy's awesome.
0: Yeah, well, he's he's quite heavily a uh free jacks into his free, free jacks as well, isn't he? So that's not a sure. surprise. Uh, no, I think I think it's great to have these ex players. I know they've had they've even had Pago Haini, who's a current player as a sideline reporter for New York games because he's injured. You know, I think that's still great um the the difficulty comes a little bit when you we are still a league we can't get the, the the entirely professional commentators and I think sometimes on some occasions it doesn't sound like the commentator really knows what's going on mm. um whether they've missed the whether i don't know the broadcasts missed the ref signal or they can't hear for whatever reason mm. it it and that that is where you know we could we could run into some problems because fans aren't going to know what's going on. If the commentator doesn't know what's going on, so it has to be clear whichever way they decide. and that, that's that's the minority. I will say that it's only been a couple of times, and people that aren't as into rugby as me might not notice it as badly. But you know, watching the game, I'm saying, well, that's not that's not true. It was a different player, or it was a different decision, or something like that. That's that's the the, the risk I think uh, based on the, the commentary commentary teams we have right now, which are largely superb.
1: I agree. Well, James, this has been so much fun. This was totally awesome. I've had so much fun. Uh, so I've linked your both your Twitter and your Instagram profiles in the show notes for this episode. Is there anything else you can plug or preview any last bits of wisdom that you want to share with us before we let you go?
0: No, I think, I think it's mainly just my, my Twitter and Instagram are the main platforms I put this stuff out on. We'll we'll see what comes in the, in the off season, but that's, that's going to be it for now. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been it's been great to, uh, to crunch the numbers and have a little uh, a little chinwag.
1: Well, thank you, thank you so much for joining us here on the Scrum of the Earth. Uh, maybe you'll join us again, at, maybe at the end of the season, sort of a maybe a look back episode, maybe catch up on where we were right or wrong in our little predictions and analysis today. Hopefully, right. <laughs> that will be smashing. So, James, thank you again. Catch you soon. Thank you again for joining us here and be well, my friend. Thank you very much for having me.